uh, we got Thanksgiving coming up. So I've got a sermon I'm going to talk about. This month, we're going to talk about being a, uh, having an attitude of gratitude, being thankful. You can't even get to the presence of the Lord without being thankful or thanksgiving. Enter his, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise, the Bible says. You can't even get into the gates of his presence without being thankful. And so, but if we're going to talk about being thankful, we also need to talk about the opposite of that, and that's complaining. Uh, if you don't have an attitude of gratitude, you got a, an attitude of uh, negativity and sourness. So, so my sermon today, it's, it's, this is not a real word, but it sounds good in King James. So complaineth not, complaineth not. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. Uh, but in order, in, in order to talk about that, we need to talk about a principle of faith. Uh, Y'all know I'm really big on faith. And that's what, man, we sung about faith today and oceans. Lord, get me to a place to where, man, my feet's not even touched. I'm just floating out in the midst of infinity and and I'm just gonna trust in you wholly. And then Ryan sung about, Lord, find me grateful. I was like, boy, that's exactly what we're gonna be preaching about today. But let's look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse nine through 13. And, And we use this to talk about our salvation. Okay, uh, uh, oftentimes, but but I want to break this down slightly to, so that you understand the principle of faith and how faith and the opposite of faith is fear. It's not just doubt, but it's fear. It's also how fear operates, right? Romans chapter 10, starting with verse nine, if you openly declare, now this is all just my highlights, just because I, I like to highlight things that jump out at me, okay? If you openly declare, that means if you publicly say, speak out, call out, right? If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord. Now, in in America, we just kind of like glaze over that word. Oh, praise God, Jesus is Lord. It becomes part of our Christian vernacular. But the word Lord, it means ultimate supreme ruler. It's your boss. Yes, the authority that's over your life. So if you openly speak out that Jesus is in control of every part of my life. We all want him to be a savior, but when it comes to him being a Lord, you know, we all want to be saved, but, uh, you know, thank, for you, thank you for saving me, Lord, but I, I kind of want to do what I still want to do, you know, and that's not how this relationship works. So if we openly declare that he is supreme, that he's, he's the authority in my life, And if we believe in our heart, in other words, believe in the very place that you feel things, that you have desire, that you have intention, don't believe with your mind. Your mind's going to try to talk you out of stuff. I don't know if that's really God. I don't know if he really wants me to do that. Is this all really real? No, believe in it. Believe in that, that, at the place that you feel it. That's why last week we talked about that in order to have revelation and wisdom, to operate in a spirit of revelation and wisdom, we were praying that, uh, according to Ephesians, that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light. Why? Because we, we want to be able to see at the very place that we have faith. So if we openly declare that he is ruler and that we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, in, in our modern American Christian tradition, we equate the word saved to getting our ticket to heaven stamped. I'm saved. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. It means so much more than that. It it comes from, you've heard me talk about it before. The Greek word is sozo. And sozo, when they read this in the Greek originally, those believers understood that sozo means 
wholeness restored, complete well-being of mind, body, and emotions, and spirit, to be stood back up and to lack nothing. That's some cool stuff. So if I believe in my heart that Jesus rose again, he didn't just die for me, but he got back up for me. And I declare him that, hey, he is in authority over my life. He is my source. Nothing that comes into my life doesn't first pass through him. Then I can live in a point of salvation or I can live and experience sozo, wellness, wholeness, completion, lacking nothing. It means far more than just, hey, do these steps and now you're going to go to heaven. He wants you to walk in victory here. He wants you to walk through your trials. You may go through trials, but the trials ain't going to go through you, if that makes sense, right? So here's, here's this principle, starting with verse 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. You were messed up, but you believed it in your heart. And so now your heart's right, your mind's right, your thinking's right, your actions can be right, okay? And it is by openly decreeing or speaking faith that you are sozoed, saved. So with your heart, you believe and it gets the inside right. But now if you want that rightness to manifest in everything else around you, you better speak it out. That's why the Bible say, says, let the weak say, I am strong. Why? Well, because they're starting to believe it in the heart. Well, now they need to get it out into the physical world. The quickest way to do that is to speak it out, right? As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls, that means everyone who shouts out, who speaks out on the name of the Lord will be sozoed, saved. Doesn't mean just everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is going to go to heaven. That's part of it. But everyone who speaks, who cries out to him will, has the promise of being whole, complete, restored, well in a good place. That's some good covenant right there. That's some good stuff. Now, all, all Paul is doing is, is rehashing a principle that Jesus even talked about. Jesus was having to get onto some church folk. A bunch of religious Pharisees showed up and were putting him down, complaining about him and saying this and that, trying to prove that he was fake. So Jesus finally shoots back at him and says this, Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 33. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. That's pretty simple, right? You brood of snakes, how could you evil men, or how could evil men like you speak what is right? He looked at these church folk, these Pharisees, and he called them brood of snakes. He said, man, you're a bunch of evil people. How can I trust with what you're saying is actually going to be correct? Ooh, we, need to li- we need to be cautious about who we're listening to in life. Are they a good tree or bad tree? If they're a bad tree, you may want to not partake of that fruit. 
So here's the principle that Jesus says, for whatever is in your heart, you remember Paul said, believe in your heart and then speak it out or confess it with your mouth. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. Man, that'll preach right there. We can go home. You can tell someone's heart condition by the way they talk. You can spend five minutes on Facebook and you can tell, you can tell what heart condition 20 people have. <laughs> if there's nothing but negativity and complaints and fussing and grumbling that comes out of somebody's heart or comes out of someone's mouth, you know what condition their heart's in. They don't have a heart of faith. Because when we complain, when we grumble, when we fuss constantly, all we're do, that, that's, that's a manifestation of not believing and trusting God. When you truly trust and believe Christ, you're not gonna be complaining about things in life. You may have to talk about things in life that aren't pleasant. You may have to address problems that you're facing, but you do it with a totally different mindset. You can still do it with a mindset of gratitude and thankfulness. I'll make it like really easy because I have a simple mind. I need easiness, right? Say, say Michael pulls up and he's like, man, my big old truck out there, the tire's flat. And so a bunch of us men say, hey, don't you worry about it. You've got to play bass. You play bass. You enjoy church. Don't you worry about it. When you, by the time you get out of church, that tire's going to be fixed. We got it. We'll take care of it. Do you think Michael's going to stand up here playing bass, telling everyone, can you believe my tire's flat? No, he's going to stand here and not even worry about it. Why? Because we said that we'd go out and fix it. He trusts us. So he's going to go about and have church. Now, he may still have to think about the flat tire, but he's not going to complain and grumble about it. Why? Because he has faith that we're going to fix it. Yet we don't do that with God, do we? Oh, Lord, you're my, you're, you're my Savior and you're my Lord. But you know what? I can't stand this. I hate this. I complain about this. I grumble about that. I got this that's not being fixed. If we really trust him when he said, hey, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory, if you will just have faith in me, all things will work for good for those who love me and trust me and believe me. All that stuff, I'll take care of it. I'll take care. When God says, I'll take care of it, why is it that we don't have the same mindset that Michael would have when he's playing bass and we're out fixing his tire? I don't have the answer either, so don't feel bad. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Let's look at what happened with the children of Israel. This, look at this, when they were complaining. Then Moses added, now, before we read this, let me give you a background. Yeah, Eric, my, my wife, Erica, and I were, we, we've been doing the one-year Bible, and she was laughing, going, I feel like all these stories about the children of Israel in the Old Testament is really like talking about me. You know, I'm like, yep, uh, we all feel that way. That's, how, that's why they're there, is so that we can learn and see this pattern and kind of go, oh, let me not do what they do. And yet we still wind up doing what they do a lot, right? So you had the children of Israel were enslaved. They were slaves in Egypt. They called out to God, woe is us, we're slaves. Somebody rescue us, someone set us free. God raises up Moses, does incredible miracles, got the plagues, all those plagues that he sent. You think we got it bad with COVID. Man, Moses unleashed some plagues on Egypt, right? And then all of a sudden you got, yeah, never mind. <laughs> so all of a sudden 
God delivers them in magnificent manner. Parts the Red Sea, drowns Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea, and then they get to live. It's supposed to be an 11-day journey with all the little ones and the elderly from Egypt to the promised land. 11 days, less than two weeks. And they get on out there, and they get sure they're having to live in tents. They don't have a plethora of food to choose from, you know. After a while, camping gets a little, you know, a little old, but you wake up free. You're not worried about anyone putting you in bondage. You get to wake up as free men, breathe free air, and they start complaining. Man, when we were back in Egypt, we at least got melons and onions and all this other good stuff. We ought to go back. They were willing to trade freedom just for some extra choices in food. And look at this. Moses, Moses says, he's fussing at me. Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy in the morning. He gave, he gave him all those birds that come in to eat. Man, grill it, fry it, do whatever you want with it. Make, make fajitas with it, do whatever you want. And look, this manna, man, you can make tortillas with it, you can make bread with it, you can do, you know, make bread, put anything you want to do. Just unlimited, just get what you need. He said, the Lord did this for you and bread to satisfy in the morning for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. They, they were getting mad at Moses for leading them out there. And he said, look, do you not realize you're not complaining about me? You're complaining against God. When you start fussing about the job that you work at, who do you think gave you that job? Your boss? The Lord gave you that job to provide for you. I'm not saying you don't have issues on your job that need to be corrected, but when you constantly live in a mindset of complaining, you're ultimately complaining, your complaint is against God because you don't like the way he's providing for you. You're tired of that manna. You know, you want to fuss about your home. Who do you think provided that home for you? You want to fuss about your spouse. All right, I'll back up, I know. Some of y'all started looking at me cross-eyed. <laughs> ultimately, when you're complaining about things in life, you're ultimately complaining against God because you're supposed to be in a covenant with God that if I trust you, you will take care of me. I may not understand all the ways that you take care of me, but I do trust you. And you can't have an attitude of thanksgiving and an attitude of fussiness simultaneously, right? Right? Hebrews 3.19, let me, let me point this out. Do you realize an 11-day journey turned into 40 years of just wandering around? Was it because of their sin? Say, well, they were a sinful people. No. The reason why they didn't enter the promised land was not because of their sin. God took care of their sin. He set up the law of Moses. There was a series of sacrifices to help take care of sin. Just like us. Do you know what concerns God far more than your sin? He's already made a sacrifice for your sin. The Lamb of God, once and for all, bore the sins of all the world. So every sin you've ever committed and every will commit has been paid for in the eyes of God. 
So do you understand that God's not concerned about your sin? What? Now, that's not giving anyone license to go sin. And by the way, you don't need a license to go sin because you're going to sin whether you have a license or not because you're human. What God is, what he is concerned with is exactly what kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. And Paul says it right here in Hebrews 3.19. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. What was his rest? His covenant goes all the way back to Abraham. If you will trust me, if you'll leave all of your comforts and trust me, I will make you a great nation. I will provide for you. I will expand you. I will prosper you. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. I will be your God and you're going to be my people. And I'm going to take care of you, but you just got to trust me. Got to, got to let go and trust me. And they get to the promised land. We know, we know what happened. They all grumbled. There's only two people that came back and said, woo, man, this is a blessed land. Let's go take it. Joshua and Caleb. The rest of them said, nope, there's giants. Nope, we're outnumbered. Nope, this is a suicide mission. And they listened to unbelief rather than faith. And because of their lack of faith, they wandered around and didn't enter into God's promise. So you understand, say, well, I'm not seeing God's promises in my life, so I must be sinning. God must be angry with me about something. He paid the price for your sin. Now, he wants you to walk in, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit to keep you free from having to be chained to that sin because you're not chained to sin anymore. You're a new creature. You, don't, you don't, shouldn't have to sin anymore. But he's not concerned about that. He paid for that. But what he, the re, if you're not experiencing the promises of God, it's not a sin issue. It's a faith issue, a belief issue. If you truly have faith in God, there's no need to sin because you're not trying to fulfill something in your life. You understand he's your whole source. And if you're grumbling and complaining, and, and, and I'm preaching to myself more than anything else, right? If you're fussing about things, you're not speaking faith. You're showing what's filled, what your heart is filled with because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I'm fussing all the time, I realize I don't have an attitude of gratitude. I don't have an attitude of thanksgiving. I can't even get into his gates to be in his presence. So complaining and grumbling is really a heart issue. The book of Proverbs says that there's life and death in the tongue. Am I speaking life or am I speaking death into my situation? I'll be really honest. This week, I actually faced something, and, and it was something I just, I've been having to face for quite a while, and I finally just got frustrated about it, and I finally decided I'm going to address it. I'm going to address. Now, there, sometimes you have to address things that aren't pleasant, and that's okay. But you can speak the truth in love. You can do it with wisdom, and you can allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. My, my pastor uh, that I grew up with, Glenn Davis, used to always say you have a bucket of water in one hand and a bucket of gasoline in the other hand. Somebody comes up to you on fire, you have a choice of what you're going to throw on that person. You're either going to make things worse or you're going to be an agent of healing. And at this time, I just, uh, I'm going to say it. And the Holy Spirit told me, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit was like, don't do it, Dave. Don't do it. And I said, oh, I got to, I got to. And I did, I, man, and now I will say this, what I had to say in this situation was truth. It was true, but I said it with a heart full of grumbling 
and anger and fussiness, and I spewed it out, and I quieted the situation. There. It's about time I said all that. And the rest of my day stunk. One thing after another started going wrong. And as I laid my head down, I was talking to the Lord. We were reviewing the day, and he asked me, he said, he said, when did it start going wrong, Dave? I said, when I opened my mouth. <laughs> it was in my heart, but I could have stopped it. But I manifested it out here, and I spoke death over a situation, and that's what I got. I reaped death the rest of the day. Now, the things I said needed to be, have been said at some point. That was not the time to say it, nor the manner in which to say it. And so I did not speak life. I did not operate in faith, trusting that he's going he's gonna to work all this out. I just need to be an agent of the Lord. I became a free agent of Dave, and it didn't go well. 1 Corinthians 10, 10 through 11, look at this, this is crazy. And don't grumble as some of them did. And then we're destroyed by the angel of death. What in the world? Now, I'm not suggesting that the angel of death is gonna come, you know, swipe you uh, if you grumble. But I will say I spoke a lot of death over my day and the rest of the day didn't go, everything I put my hands to just kind of fell apart, Right? Verse 11, these things happened to them as examples for us. He let these things happen and get recorded back in the Old Testament so that they could be examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Let's talk about us. Philippians 2, 14 through 15, do all things without grumbling and fault finding and complaining because ultimately you're complaining against God, right? Right? and questioning and doubting. See, when you grumble, it's really, it's a faith issue. Among yourselves. So that you may show yourselves, it's like if you stop grumbling, if you'll just speak faith, you can show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish, faultless and unrebukable, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, when people want to complain about this crooked and uh, wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse, but look what you get to be. Among whom you are seen as bright lights, beacons shining out clearly in the dark world. When you learn to have gratitude in your heart and a heart of praise, and that's what you speak out, and you let it manifest out here, you actually get to be a beacon in the midst of all the mess that's going on out there. Isn't that wonderful? Y'all remember that song? You can't be a beacon if your light don't shine. Anyone? Anyone remember that? Not until I say, hey, it's going to be in your head the rest of the day. Look, my, my wife, Erica, y'all pray for her. She's on the road right now. I don't know if they, they may have been tuning in in the car or not, but uh, all week long, she's been up in uh, Indiana prepping to bring her mother, Jan Brown, which some of, she's tuned in every week for, you know, the better part of two years, uh, but she's actually going to be a physical member of the church. She's moving down here to Texas at this stage in her life, but uh, so Erica's been up there all week long kind of sorting through stuff, figuring out what's, you know, what to throw away, what to donate, what to move down here, and she found a box of some of her old stuff from when she was a kid, 
and she pulled out a bunch of old records. Y'all remember those records? How about that? She pulled out some albums and some old 45s, right? And there it was, Donna Fargo. You can't be a beacon. And that was a secular hit. And that was gospel truth being preached on the radio. You can't be a beacon if your light don't shine. Y'all remember that? Come on. I remember that. See, in the Pentecostal church, we always had to sing it. You can't be a deacon if your wife drinks wine, right? That's, that's what we had to sing. Ryan, did y'all sing that in the Baptist church? Yeah? Aaron? Yeah? Y'all had, y'all had a whole other thing going on, though. See, I was told this. If you're, if you're going to go fishing, you better take two Baptist deacons with you. Because if you only take one, he'll drink all your beer. That's, don't, don't laugh at that. I apologize to all my Baptist friends that are here today. Philippians 2.14, you're going to be, you're gonna be uh, a beacon in this, light, this world. Proverbs 18.13, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Man, I felt like a pretty good Christian until I started preaching today. <laughs> now, y'all, I got to go, go home and repent now, man. <clears throat> but look at this. When you start reversing it and you start filling your heart with a heart of gratitude, we're going into the Thanksgiving season. Let's let go of grumbling. Let's get all that stuff out of our heart. Psalm 34.1, I will praise the Lord at all times. Man, I had, I've been meditating on this ever since the day I blew it because there's been other challenges that have come up and I've just been, <laughs> you remember I said a few weeks ago, we used to sing a song when I was little called Hallelujah Anyhow. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Angela sings that song, Hallelujah, even here, even in this circumstance, I'm gonna raise a, raise a hallelujah. Ryan sings that, I'm gonna raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemy. Sometimes you just got to, if you hang out around my house long enough and something weird goes on, you'll just hear me kind of go, well, glory <laughs> is my way of just praising them. I was like, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to fuss. If I get, a, I get a phone call and it doesn't go well, I just hang up. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Why? Because I need to train myself to praise him in all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Look what happens when you Start filling your heart with praise and let it actually come out rather than negativity. Uh, Psalms 103, starting with verse one, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. Man, I, I tell you, read Psalms 103, you'll see an incredible benefits package that the Lord has for you. Verse three, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. When I start filling my mouth from my heart with praise and with, with, with uh, affirmation and faith, these are things that starts happening. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. I start understanding all the good things that are around me right in the midst of all the mess. I, at, at the beginning of this year, the Lord instructed me, New Year's night, he said, this year, Dave, every morning you're gonna wake up and you're gonna write down 10 things that you're thankful for. And so I started New Year's night 
So 365 days plus one. So I should have 3,660 because, <laughs> uh, you know, plus, plus the 10 from New Year's night items that I can look back at this year and be grateful for. And, and I've stuck to it. And there's been days I've not wanted to do it. Crazy thing, there's been days that I've, I've been in such a mood that I had to sit there and think, you know, and yet I could, no matter what, I could find 10 things to praise him for. And that doesn't mean that, you know, look, I've, I've gone through some rough things this year. I've had some incredible blessings this year. The, the, the day after my, my nephew took his own life, the last thing I was in the mood to do was try to find positivity. But even in the midst of that, I could look at all the circumstances that surrounded that and still find 10 things that the Lord blessed my family with in the midst of difficulties. And it, it has helped to change my life. When I have moments like I did the other day, when I just hauled off and went off track, I'm much quicker to come back under alignment and, and much quicker to receive correction from the Holy Spirit and to grow from it. And I know it's because I, he has positioned me this year to be in a mindset of gratitude and thanksgiving. And it's been one of the most remarkable years of my life. I was looking at the numbers on my list. I got a Google document that all this is. If I were to print it out, it'd be 75 pages so far. I've got over 3,000 things I have praised him for this year. What do I have to complain about? Had I known going into this year that God was going to bless me in 3,000 different ways? Well, I would have been a whole lot more relaxed. I could be a lot more full of faith. Well, guess what? Going into next year, praise God, I'm so full of faith. Not because I'm something special, but I know he's that good. I trust him that much. Left to my own devices, I'm going to have days like I did the other day. But man, if I got a God that's able to bless me and take care of me in over 3,000 different ways, just from January through October, whew, what a powerful God we serve. Hey, church, let's not be a bunch of grumblers and complainers and fussers. Let's let the abundance of our heart be praise, thanksgiving, gratitude, and faith, and make sure you speak it out. Even when the, the situation doesn't call for it, give a hallelujah or a glory, or even when the, the world wants to tell you one thing and you say, nope, God told me something different, I'm going to trust him. Speak it out. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And complaineth not. Let's all stand. Father, I love you and I thank you. You're so good to us and half the time we miss how good you are. We don't even recognize it half the time. Because most of us, including myself, we, we just become a bunch of knuckleheads at times. But Lord, we choose to believe in our heart today. And we confess your goodness and your grace and your peace with our mouth so that we can experience your sozo, your salvation, your wholeness, your rightedness, your righteousness, your redemption. Father, it doesn't matter what circumstances we are facing, you are still good and you and only you are God. You and only you are our provision, our sole source, our security. 
our hope comes exclusively from you. And we know, Lord, that you will save the day in, in ways that we may not even expect. Our desires may not always come to pass, but Father, I trust you enough to know whatever circumstances you have me walking through will ultimately be for my betterment and my evolution in you. Thank you for the relationship that Ryan talked about at the top of the service. Thank you that you do want to commune and tabernacle and dwell with us and in us and through us. You want to dwell as us. So we thank you for the oneness that we have with you today. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen.